1: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Claim America. Of people to make friends, just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, and explain what is really one of the craziest markets I've ever seen. So call me at one 800 743 cnbc or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Enough with this market's bizarre mood swings. Apple's great. Bye bye bye. PayPal's bad. Sell, sell, sell. Google's fantastic. Bye bye bye. Ooh, Facebook's horrendous. Sell, sell, sell. Amazon's terrific. Bye bye bye. Right, enough. Enough. Today's Dow plunged 518. S&P plummeting 2.4%. NASDAQ nosediving 3.74%. But then tomorrow's Amazon, and it was just great. So maybe those numbers reverse. Man, we got to calm down. we got to step away. This is not working. This is not what I want you to be doing. I can't get the market to take lithium. I can't. It won't take the medicine. I can't give it a whole pharmacy of antipsychotics, but I can help you understand. Lose the hate and anger. Be, dis- be less emotional. See, the truth is simple. Some companies are doing well. Others are doing poorly. Forget the ETFs, forget the S&P, forget the NASDAQ. There are more companies doing poorly than we're used to, but many are doing well. And what you're seeing is maybe the most emotional market I have come across in 13 years. And it's not helping you to play that way. How do you handle these moose swings? Not the market, but how do you handle them? Well, first, you need to raise a little cash. You're going to get that chance tomorrow because Amazon gave you a great number. What is cash? That's the Wall Street equivalent of taking some Xanax. Just a .5 or .25. Nothing addictive. We have a big CNBC Investing Club meeting tomorrow. Our second with our special guest, the heroic Lisa Sue from AMD. That stock will most likely be up nicely tomorrow because of Amazon. And we'll explain, among many other things, how cash can defend against the market's bipolar behavior. That's why we raised some cash for the charitable trust today, even though I kind of liked what was happening in the market. We sold the very winning stock of Union Pacific. Why? Because the weekly rail course statistics, they, they come out, and they come out from, Burlington, from Berkshire Hathaway, they've been not so hot of late. And you can't wait for a downgrade to happen in this market, because you'll get it. So we took some off of a good company, so we have cash for great companies that are getting thrown away. More importantly, though, when this market goes crazy, Okay, Cash is what you need so that you can handle the ups and downs and snap up some terrific discounts. Believe me, after this Amazon dazzler tonight, you're going to get a chance to reposition. I want you to take it. I want you to take it because of what happened today when you got hit by a nasty 4% anvil decline in the NASDAQ. And I don't want that happening to you. And Well, that does bring me to the proximate cause of that 4% route, doesn't it? The herd of elephants in the room. The meta-death that is the old Facebook. Honestly, let let me just start by saying last night's quarter was not as horrible as people seem to think, but that doesn't matter, does it? I mean, every few years, Facebook hits not a speed bump, but a concrete retaining wall, making you feel like a crash test dummy if you own the stock. We've kept a small position in Facebook for the travel trust for years, mostly to keep an eye on it. And after today's 26% decline, well, guess what? I actually like, like what I see. Now, listen to me here. That doesn't mean I said bye. No. Why? First, because meta-Facebook was indeed disappointing. It didn't have any user growth, unnerving because it doesn't take much to have user growth. In that sense, it was even worse than Netflix, which merely had a slowdown. Of course, that doesn't explain the full 26% decline. The real problem is that Meta Facebook's taking a huge hit on advertising. By the way, the CFO, David Weiner he was very straight about this. There's no mystery to that part. Now, they also have to spend fortunes to develop the metaverse. Again, Weiner no mystery. Something that they see as a huge priority. Otherwise, Zucker wouldn't have renamed the company. Now, see, like, renaming the company is not like renaming Everest Nvidia. It's like a big deal, OK? But the real problem is advertising. Now that Apple's making some privacy changes that I think favor you, the user, which is kind of the way Apple works. It's like, hey, let's help our customer, uh, not the app developers necessarily. Well, you've got to wonder if the value proposition is still there for Facebook's advertisers. If they can't track your online behavior as well as they used to, maybe the target ads aren't worth as much. Weird, though, isn't it, given that Pinterest and Snap did so well tonight, as did Amazon and Google in advertising? It does seem to have a commonality to it. It's uh, a- ABF, uh, anybody but Facebook. Put it all together and you can justify selling the stock maybe down as much as 15%, but not 26%, which is how much it did fall. Why is it down 26% too much, and yet it might not be over? Because Facebook has actual earnings. Right now, you're paying just 18 times for those actual earnings, well below the average stock in the S&P. And it's better than the average stock. This is a premier growth stock. Aha, you say, didn't you listen to the conference called Bozo? It's no longer a growth company, you fool. Didn't you hear Mark Zuckerberg when he was saying that TikTok's running the table against them? Only an idiot would stand by these clowns. What can I say? Maybe I'm an idiot. But I'm the idiot who bought Facebook in the teens and low 20s for my charitable trust when the company was written off because it was behind the curve of mobile. I'm the idiot who pounded the table and gambled it looked like they were losing the snap. And then in 2018, I was the idiot that told you to hold your nose and buy it during the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Now it's at $237 and you've made a fortune if you listen to these recommendations, especially the first one. I make plenty of mistakes. I've heard endlessly about PayPal. Hey, you know what? I'll wear the PayPal. I'll wear I'll wear the, the note. The, I'll wear I'll wear the post it if it makes you feel better. But, you know, sometimes there's stocks that can work. I'm not telling you to buy Meta Facebook tomorrow. Not yet, because when you have an emotional market that's begging for lithium, the selling will not be like normal selling. It gets angry. It's chaotic. It's extra irrational. It won't necessarily be over in a day, despite Amazon doing well, because as we saw from the egregious action in PayPal. Yes, these stocks have become show me stories, which means show me the door. Right now, you have many shocked people who believe that Facebook's management has completely lost it. And uh, Zuckerberg, he's been defeated by TikTok and the government and Apple. Hey, I don't know what, I, Joe Rogan, I had a COVID straining me name later. These institutional sellers have one desire today. They never wanted to hear again about this company. They don't even want to hear again about advertising, uh, about online, about monthly average users, sell, streaming, sell, ad-supported, sell. I think they're going to be proven wrong. Today, there simply weren't enough buyers to accommodate all the sellers who wanted to get out of Meta. How is this possible? Well, I'll show you. I mean, imagine yourself in a trading room, okay, of any billion-dollar firm. You probably haven't been there. I've been to a lot of them. Here's what it's like. It's around 3 o'clock. The portfolio manager, who owned, say, 2 million shares when they came in this morning and thought they were going to get an upside surprise, has been able to sell about half of his position throughout the course of the day. The stock's at 237. It's been going down, 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 down. Walks into the trader, and after about a half a minute of invective, he says, how much more do we have of this garbage, and how much have we sold? By the way, that's the PG family-friendly version. In response, the trader says, the stock's so heavy, we've only offloaded about a million shares. I don't want to kill it. The portfolio manager's furious, worried about his job, and says, kill it. I don't care. I don't care how low you sell the stock. Oh, get the hell? Is it 230? I don't sell it down to 230. Now, the trader who normally would try to get the best price understands there's no longer, that's no longer the goal. They just have to get the stock off the sheet so it's never seen again. So even though it's going down, 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 it went further down. So you have a cascade effect as this exact same conversation occurred all over Wall Street. These sellers, not you or me, will create the bottom and meta Facebook with their fear and their loathing. Apologies to Hunter S. Thompson. Why then would I even think about buying it? Well, first, Meta Facebook has a war chest like almost no other. It put back nineteen point one eight billion dollars worth of stock in the fourth quarter. Certainly paying too much, but they've retired nearly forty five billion since last year, and they got another thirty eight point seven nine billion dollars authorized. That's not the sign of an ailing company facing with an existential crisis, as far as I'm concerned. Second, the problems can be figured out as long as there's demand for Facebook and Instagram's advertising, and there is voracious demand still. Finally, when the selling storm stops, and again, we'll know because the manic dumping ends, well, people who are trying to sell it below where it's being bid for ends, then you're going to get it. You're going to get it. You're going to get a bottom. And the buy side will, at one day, maybe soon, be bigger than the sell side. And that's when I'm going to come out and tell you, listen, you can buy something. This whole self is really about one thing, stopping TikTok from taking business while they build out the metaverse. Zuckerberg right now, this very minute, is coming up with ways to blunt and take away TikTok's business with reels. The bounce will come when the selling dries up, probably very, very quickly. Bottom line, I say Meta Facebook will be a buy because eventually the sellers do get exhausted. The patient will be comatose, and this will be no different from the last three times I said to buy, and everyone laughed. We may not be there yet, but I think we're awful close. Let them ruin the stock one more time. That will be your chance. Judah in New York, Judah. Hey, Jim, Booyah, shout out to my dad and his mobile fridge. I'm calling about a stock that you re- introduced me to. It makes real things, makes real money, trades at 35 times this year's earnings, under 27 times next year's earnings. I want to know what you think about Generac. You know, that guy, that was all caught up in this California legislation uh, for, uh, for the giving people money when they want to be able to do solar. And I think the GenRAC is very good down here. I mean, this thing has been cut. This stock was at 524. It's now at 275. Did some of the electric grid get better? I mean, did anyone, like, look at the electric grid? It's bad. GenRAC's the answer if you have the money. I need to go to Doug in California. Doug. Booyah, Jimmy Chill. Yo. Chill ain't been chill lately, but I'll get back to it. What's going on?
2: We took up a position uh, many years ago on a stock you recommended. We have a cost basis under $50. And I think this is a pigs-get-slaughtered situation. I need to know if I should sell or hold Lamb Research.
1: Lamb Research, the old novellas, Rick Hill, bought by, by <laughs> the unbelief of Lamb Research. And Tim Archer's doing a fantastic—I don't want you to—I want you to take out your cost basis. The rest, I want you to play with the house of money. Take out your cost basis tomorrow. Lamb Research stock is down hideously. It's the king of its field. Everyone's giving up on the semis until when— until they love the semis, this is one of the most emotional markets I have ever seen. You need to be dispassionate. You need to be calmer. You gotta stop because when it's like this, you gotta steal yourself. You gotta tie yourself in the mask. You gotta look for aberrant behavior, like people are trying to sell Meta Facebook much lower than the people willing to buy it. That's how bottoms get formed. Even if you hate it, they have money tonight. Elf beauty fell today after earnings. Cosmetic company doing what it needs to get in your portfolio. I us check in with the CEO. He's a visionary. Speaking of visionaries, Qualcomm reported a blowout quarter last night. Nobody cared whatsoever. That'll change tomorrow. I've got the CEO. And I've been telling you to start finding real growth stocks with real earnings. Does Align Technology fit that mold? Let's talk to the company's top brass after earnings. And stay with Kramer. When the selling turns indiscriminate like we saw again today, I like to circle back to the companies that we know for a fact are doing very well because they just reported great numbers. And companies like ELF, yes, Elf Beauty. I think ELF is such an exciting company. It's digital-focused, value-oriented, cruelty free cosmetics company that my wife uses. I see it in the bathroom. After an incredible run earlier in the pandemic, elstock stock peaked at about a month ago, pulling back from $33 to $28 and change. That includes a more than 3% decline today. Yet th- that decline made no sense whatsoever. Last night, Elf reported a truly excellent quarter. We're talking about a fabulous 9-cent beat uh, off a 15-cent basis. That's incredible. Higher-than-expected sales and management raised their full-year forecast. This morning, the stock initially roared, rallying nearly 4% of its highs. But eventually, some succumbed to what we know is this market-wide pressure that is so horrendous. And it only finished in the red, I believe, because of that. Look, we know the market's back to treating these growth stocks like broken-neck playthings. But that doesn't mean everything deserves to be tossed out. Do not take this from me. Let's dig deeper with Tarang Amin. He's the chairman and CEO of Elf Beauty to learn more about the quarter and where his company is headed. Mr. Amin, welcome back to Mad Money.
6: Thank you for having me again. Okay, so
1: Trang, you've accomplished something that I don't think most people realize. When you start a product or do a company, what people always tell you is you should start with the most expensive, and if you have to, you can cut price. You actually literally have done something I can't recall, maybe you can help me, where you started with a lower price product, and now you've been able to raise price. How was that possible? Does that have to do with quality, with demand, with sales, with advertising? Because it's an extraordinary feat.
6: Well, thank you. Our mission is to bring the best of beauty and make it accessible to every eye, lip, and face. And that's what their entire company is focused on. We love bringing products you previously could only find in prestige at these extraordinary values and then engaging our community in them. And it's really resulted in our success. I'm proud of our team. This is our 12th consecutive quarter of net sales growth. And taking up our full year guidance yet again, I think, is a testament to what we're doing.
1: Now, how did this happen? When the brand came out, I, I viewed it as a discount brand. And then uh, I now know, I mean, for instance, I'll I use the example of my wife. She's very interested and conscious of, of cosmetics. And, and I saw it on, on, in our bathroom. I said, Well, I, Elf. She goes, You know, that's a, that is a very good brand that's a little less expensive than the other brands. And so you've managed to be able to make it so people don't think yours, your brand is a discount at all. That's another amazing feat that you have.
6: You know, it is. And I, I think it all comes down to our innovation and what we're able to do. Things like our power grip primer, which we just introduced, yes. retails for $10, but it compares to our prestige items at $34. And our consumers are super savvy and they understand the difference in terms of being able to give them that level of quality at that level of value. I think has been a big driver of our success.
1: At the same time, you are noted as being One of the 15 brands that are doing the best, most engaging, entertaining work on the platform of the day, TikTok. You get great results return on investment on TikTok, don't you?
6: You know, we do. It's a powerful platform for us, mainly because that's where our core consumers, Gen Z Live. And the way we approached the platform when we first started working with them a few years ago is we created our own original music track, did a hashtag challenge, saw billions of views from that. Even more recently, in the last few weeks, we've partnered with Simon Fuller, the creator of American Idol, to find a new pop group on TikTok, The Future X. And we just did another hashtag challenge just a one week ago uh, to find makeup artists that are going to work with that group. And in one week, we're already up over 8 billion views. So it shows the level of engagement our consumers have and really combining two things they love, music and makeup. Well,
1: you're very valuable on a day like today because a lot of people don't understand, say, what happened to Instagram. I'm sure if Instagram, if Reels were to offer you something that would get to that demo, would you switch to it or add to it? Or is it really just TikTok that you need?
6: No, our platform's really broad. So we are on Instagram. We're big on Facebook, on all the core platforms, including on Twitch with our initiative on gaming. Our consumers love gaming. So we're also on that. So we have a very broad uh, lens, and the lens is really guided by our consumers. Where are they spending time? What are they resonating with? And our ability to engage them in unique and different ways.
1: A few years ago, Ulta commented to me that there seemed to be nothing new and different. Now, I don't know. I'm sure maybe I had a chance to be on the Estee Lauder call today for the fabulous Fabrizio Freire, man I know you about, or Neymar. But something's changed again. It looks like that, that there are new and different. What happened? Are we in a cycle of new and different that people are all fired up? Because, I mean, people have been at home for a long time. Is there something that's changed versus four years ago where people were concerned that there was nothing new under the sun makeup?
6: Well, I think a couple of things have changed. One is as we come out of the pandemic, I'm quite bullish on our category. I think consumers are ready to express themselves. And then I think companies like us, Estee Lauder, are really creating new innovation that is resonating with consumers. And for us, that innovation is always centered on the best of beauty made accessible. And we're seeing really great results from our spring innovation. So I think, you know, this is a category where consumers love new products, love different ways of engaging with them. And so, again, I'm quite bullish on the category, even more bullish on our prospects.
1: Last question. I know your brands and I know that they're competitive in quality with a lot of the big ones, but you still have Excellent gross margins, even though you come in well below that. How are you capable of having great gross margins going up against these giants?
6: Well, I think, you know, first of all, we're no different than any other company. We're carrying quite a bit of costs. This is the most intense right. cost environment I've been in in quite some time. I think in our PL we're carrying a 1,000 basis points of cost between tariffs, FX, transportation <laughs> costs, But our team is really committed to giving a great value every day. So we continue to do these innovations, which have tremendous value relative to the prestige counterparts, but also continue to kind of mix our brand up. And so we've seen great results as we focused on our core products that have high demand and our innovation that continues to drive the needle from a margin standpoint.
1: Well, I want to congratulate you. Uh, the stock's doubled, for, I think, almost from the, from the last time we were on, and that's because of the tremendous work that you're doing, your team is doing. I know it's not just you, because you have a, an amazing team. Tarang Amin, chairman CEO of Elf Beauty. Once again, great work, sir. Thank you for coming to the show.
6: Thank you for having
1: me. This is one of those. You've got to look side-by-side compares of some of these, and you'll see that the price is so different. But I don't know whether you can tell the quality. I know I can't. Yeah, money's back in. Coming up,
3: the tape may not always be so chipper, but does guidance from this semiconductor stock portend a Silicon Valley smile to come? Qualcomm is next.
0: You seek the key.
1: It's driving me crazy the market is so full of misjudgments at this point. It is a crazy earning season. And today we got a ton of them because of Facebook's catastrophic quarter. Drag down anything related to tech, even if it's just kind of, let's say, semis. The most egregious example could have been Qualcomm, the semiconductor and wireless technology powerhouse. They reported one of the best semiconductor numbers I have seen in ages, yet it still saw its stock tumble nearly 5%. These guys delivered a terrific set of numbers. 22-cent earnings beat off a $3.01 basis, higher than expected revenue, up 30%. This is a big company, 30%. The only thing better than the results of the last quarter was the guidance. Yes, forecasting ten point two dollars to $11 billion in sales, and were only looking for $9.6 billion. They're projecting $2.80 to $3. Wall Street was looking for $2.51. Given those numbers, it was ridiculous that the stock pulled back today. It, but Qualcomm had run up dramatically. It was a 6% gain yesterday alone. Still, this morning, the stock shot up to 192 for getting dragged down to 179. I think it's a steal these levels, such a steal that I bet you don't get it there because of Amazon tonight. So let's take a close look. Cristiano Armand, he's the president and CEO of Qualcomm to find out more about the quarter and his outlook going forward. Cristiano, welcome to Man Money.
7: Very happy to be here. How are you doing, Jim? Good um, talking to you. Thank
1: you. I'm doing fine. You know, I've got to tell you that this quarter, when it came out, told me, are, is it true? are you the number one semiconductor company in cell phones in every single major continent?
7: I think so. And, uh, you know, Hanson has been a good story for us. All about Android. And look, there's nothing about this quarter. It was not great. You know, there's nothing not to like about this quarter. It's been a good story overall, not only on mobile and handsets, but also all the new business as well. We're very happy.
1: All right. Well, that's where I was going to go. I know there'll be people say, well, wait a second, Jim, you're all excited about automotive. That's which is what I was saying yesterday it in part for automotive. I was trying to get club members to trying to figure out where I can make room to get this stock in. But I said that automotive. GM and BMW made two, be two of the greatest clients in the world. You got them both. How did you do that?
7: Cornerstone customers. We got we got uh, GM. Uh, we're working with them with uh, Super Cruise, Ultra Cruise, and BMW. All oh, they really like our digital chassis. It's a very unique position. We have an automotive, but as I said in the call, we have more irons in the fire. I, I, our automotive uh, business is really going very well,
1: and the opportunity for ADAS for the company is tremendous. Tell me how, what is your thinking? Because you're, you're more of a person of the world than most of the people I know. Do you think that we are going to get into autonomous cars in three years, just be hailing autonomous taxis? Here's how we think about it. And, we,
7: and that's why we we're succeeding in automotive right now in ADAS with our platform strategy. We think that assisted driving, Jim, mm-hmm. we should build that for every car. And that's how we're going to actually get scale and we're going to see the financial results. The ability for you to have highway autopilot and the ability for you to have a level, you know, three uh, ADAS, we should do this for every car. It should be like ABS, you know, know, airbags. Why not? And I think we're building that solution for scale in ADAS. Full autonomy, level four, level five, we're going to get there, but I think that's going to take a little bit more time.
1: Okay, let's talk Internet of Things. Another area, a lot of people look, remember, think of you as handset dominant. I mean, Internet of Things, 1.5 billion. I don't even know what we would have thought about that even a couple of years ago. Growing north of 30 percent year over year. How are you doing that?
7: Look, we're doing great. And one thing I want to highlight from this quarter, you know, handset obviously was a very good story. You know, mm-hmm. we had 42 percent uh, year over year growth in handsets, over 60 percent on Android, but. on IoT. IoT is growing at a very high rate and our IoT is very diversified. The way our IoT business is developing, If you buy the growth of the cloud, if you buy the current projection for the hyperscalers right now, you need somebody at the edge connecting all the devices to the cloud and sending data to the cloud. That's what we're doing. And our IoT is diversified across consumer, networking, and industrial. And the industrial is a big opportunity. Within the quarter, we saw robotics, retail, trackers, utility smart meters, all having significant growth. Robotics alone, fifty percent year over year in number of
1: launches. So, how do you sell that? I mean, is that just a direct sales force to the companies that make robots? I mean, I've always tried to figure out whether that's a bundled with somebody else. I mean, like because I know that the companies that I follow, like Marvel, they're in there selling it themselves. But I mean, I think Qualcomm seems to always be partnered with some of the great partners.
7: Look, what what is unique about Qualcomm, and I think our. I don't want to be pretentious, but Qualcomm has an incredible uh, stature about creating ecosystems. You see our work in standard bodies, how we created 3G, 4G, 5G. And, and I think that gives us an incredible ability to work. One of the largest corporations in the world have really lighthouse customers. We partner with companies like Walmart for retail. We sure. partner uh, with companies like Enel in Europe in, uh, in Pacific uh, Gas and Electric for energy. And same thing, we partner with Amazon. Uh, you look at what we're doing in Consumer robotics with the astro. So we have the ability to go directly and we build an ecosystem of partners to help us build modules, you know, hardware and build on our software. It's really an ecosystem play.
1: All right. So, Christiana, there's a dirty word today that wasn't until today. Metaverse. And when I've spoken to you about it, it's very for real. People now today have been making it a laughing stock. You know better. Describe to our viewers how important this is. They should be
7: laughing. It's a huge opportunity, but here's how you should think about it. And I, I have a very simple way, Jim, to describe the metaverse opportunity. With the cloud economy we have right now, with everything connected to the cloud, we have digital twins of everything. You can have a digital twin of a car, for example, an automotive. When the car show up at the dealership and somebody is going to look into the, under the hood, they can put a virtual reality, augmented reality device, and will tell you from the digital twin in the cloud where to fix it, where's the problem, where it's about to have – you're going to have a problem. Same thing on an enterprise, how you use this for training. So the way to think about the metaverse is going to develop – as a number of different opportunities. You're always going to have the big social network consumer play. You're going to have a big one for gaming, but industrial is big. And that's why our partnership with Microsoft is so important.
1: Yeah, I, I'm so glad because I've been telling my my partner, David Faber, in the morning, it's enterprise. It's enterprise. That's where the money's going to be. And you're confirming. And that's happening now, right? Absolutely.
7: It look, You know, as We've been working with, with augmented reality and virtual reality and the metaverse before it was popular. We have over 40 designs of devices. Every VR and AR device that's designed today is with Qualcomm chip. We've been doing a lot of the tech, hard technology development to get to the small form factors the low power and the high cloud connectivity. And you're going to see a lot of in, industrial applications from factory to warehouses to retail and more.
1: I tell you, if, if you hadn't reported last night, I'd tell you, Christian, because I know you. I think your stock would be at 200. And that's where I think it's headed. You've got the most momentum of anybody in the group. Other than that, I would argue, maybe AMD, you might just, just differ. But you've got the momentum. Like I haven't seen this company in a very, very long time.
7: So, Jim, we just had in the quarter the highest, highest revenue of any fabulous company. And I have a good thing about Qualcomm. We have momentum in a number of different areas, from right. from the whole IoT, PC, and auto, and in handsets. And no, uh, real. you know, if anything, great buying opportunity. Right, and that's why I'm the so glad you came.
1: With, I'm, that's why I'm so glad you came with me. money. I want everyone to know about this opportunity. Uh, you you are just on fire, sir. That's Cristiano Mine. He's the president and CEO of Qualcomm. Congratulations. And I don't even mind the ads. You're good in the ads. Yes. <laughs> okay. Good. Thank don't you. I'm glad it, you sir. like it. Thank you. Everybody's back. Get to the break.
3: Coming up, can Align Technology put a smile on the face of their investors? Kramer sinks his teeth into this stock with the CEO
1: next. When many of the formerly high-flying growth stocks had yet another hideous leg down, I think it's worth taking a closer look at ones that managed to hold up, like Align Technology, the maker of Invisalign braces, the clear aligners that let you straighten your teeth without looking like something out of a horror movie, as I did when I was 12. The other night I told you that it's time to start buying growth stocks not just any, but the ones that have real earnings that have been brought low by the broader sell-off and the Omicron variant, even as the companies that may be doing well. And that fits Align to AT. Here's the stock that's tumbled from 737 and its peaked to 503 and change. More importantly, though, last night Align reported an imperfect upside surprise. They gave you a 10-cent earnings beat off a $2.73 basis, slightly higher than expected sales. But their Invisalign case shipments came in light Full-year forecast was a little vague. In response, the stock initially tumbled 3%. But then people started processing the positives. Management said that January got progressively better for them. And they're guiding for 20 to 30% revenue growth. Notice the future looks better than the past. 31 times next year's earnings estimates is cheap for a great growth stock. So, with that, even on a horrible day for the NASDAQ, the stock rebounded, ultimately finishing down less than half percent Is it the beginning of a larger move? Well, let's check in with the redoubtable... Joe Hogan. He's the president CEO of Line Technology. Get a better room in the quarter. And what comes next? Mr. Hogan, welcome back to Bad Money.
2: Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me back.
1: All right, so Joe, one of the things I'm really focused on, there's too many people focused on supply chain and supply problems. I'm focused on demand and is it there? Now that we see kind of light at the end of the Omicron tunnel, how is domestic and worldwide demand for your product? Well,
2: as Omicron recedes, Jim, all over the world, you know, we see it actually being positive from the standpoint of, of our order rate. So we can correlate that directly. And, you know, Jim, I'd bring your attention to something. You know, over two years, we have a 62 percent stack rate growth for two years. OK, so let's just say it's 30 percent a year. And so I mean, we know there's a lot going on in the marketplace right now. But over those two years, we're at the top of our, our market. So that demand's out there. Nothing's fundamentally changed. The only thing that's really in our way has been Omicron. And when that recedes, you'll
1: see our our demand come back. Okay, so different measures to uh, ways to uh, come up with how we feel demand is. Now, some people are saying to me that there's been some erosion in the average selling price of your product. So that makes me think, well, wait a second. Are there other competitors? Is demand a little bit less? I want to do a little, you know, just a little more drill down to be sure that I'm confident the demand is there.
2: Yeah, I know that narrative is out there, Jim, but our average selling price was up for the quarter overall, and we, you know, our average selling price was up for the year overall. Um, we, there's competition out there, but we haven't had to respond to it from a pricing standpoint. Remember, our competition's braces in the end. Right. We're still only 10% penetrated into braces, and that's what we're t-
1: primarily targeted on is how do we grow that incredible market we've talked about before. When I first met you, you were an American company. I don't know. At what point will you be an international company with an American division?
2: Well, you know, right now we're 50-50. You know, fifty percent uh, is is America's. I just, you know, America's. Let's say North America and also Canada, and the rest is overseas. Our, we've had tremendous growth, growth in Europe, uh, great growth in Asia, growth growth in Asia, as you know. Uh, our scanner business too, our Atero scanner business this year, it hit seven hundred million dollars. It's uh, it's grown tremendously over the years. So, and that's you know that business is based in Israel, mm-hmm. tremendously international business too. Uh, you know, Jim also uh, opened up production in Poland this year. We have production in uh, China and production in Mexico. So we
1: cover all three poles, too. So I'd say we're a very balanced international business. And that's why the 20 percent growth, you don't sweat the program doing that. I know a lot of companies are rethinking whether they should have gone to, say, 20, which is the magic number uh, for a lot of those growth stocks. But you seem to be very comfortable with that outlook.
2: Yeah, I mean, we're comfortable in the sense of, you know, what we see right now. You know, you can tell that uh, we fell short on the December. But our, our iTero, our scanner sales, were way up in that sense. And that's a great leading indicator that the demand's out there, that they're moving to digital. And once we have those scanners in those offices, we do a great job in converting those into Invisalign cases. And so this is a lot of positive signals that things will move in the right
1: direction. Okay. So I always like to tell people that if you think that this is for teenagers, you got it dead wrong. Baby boomers, people who are... Uh, tried in the workforce, going for their first job, really conscious of their teeth. What's the breakdown now versus what it was?
2: Well, I mean, there's many more adult cases now, Jim, as you're referring to. And I like to think we ushered in the adult cases because adults didn't want to do wires and brackets. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous to think that most of them would in that sense. So. Digital has really grown that that piece. So when you look at overall right now, we do about 70% adults and 30%, uh, you know, I'd call teens. Um, The market in orthodontics, though, itself, just that orthodontic segment is still 80% teens and 20% adults. So a lot of the adults are picked up in orthodontics through us, through clear aligners. And then secondly, through the general dentistry practices that are practicing digital orthodontics more and more.
1: I know that uh, the dentists I deal with, a lot of them have, have switched to doing a line. I mean, literally just saying, look, there's, the world has changed, Jim, when you're growing up. We don't have enough traditional dentistry business, but we do have a line. What percentage of the practices that, if I look back 10 years ago, didn't have any line are now using a line?
2: Uh, it's it's a huge change from a dentistry standpoint. Jim. I, I, you know, I'd say we're still underpenetrated. There's about 150,000 general dentists in the United States, and I say we've touched about 30% of them, 25% of them, and now there's super users too. I mean, we have general dentists doing 600 cases uh, out of out of just two practices. A year. I mean, these are they're really big players with us, and so it is. It's a great channel for us, and the orthodontics continues to be a, a terrific channel too. So that huge unmet need out there of a half a billion patients we talk about globally, and then the orthodontic segment too. That just just such great opportunities.
1: One last, the only kind of Omicron demand question I want to ask you: When you wear a mask, no one sees your teeth. Don't know if you have bad teeth. Uh, some of us who feel yeah. like we have to go back and get Invisalign. Don't have that mask luxury anymore. We're out there. Are you seeing literally people who don't have to wear masks thinking, oh, boy, I, I, took, a, I it took a pass on my teeth. What they look like. I got to get to the dentist. <laughs> no, I think you call it the ultimate
2: hedge before. I think we win. You know, we can win both ways. Right. The mask is off. You're on a Zoom call. You see your teeth. Uh, You know, have your mask on, you might feel good, but you know it's going to come off, Jim. It's just aesthetics is part of our generation, right? And there wasn't really an ability to address, uh, you know, crooked teeth before and a smile that wasn't perfect. And today there's no excuse for it. The technology's there. It's within economical reach for most people. And our focus is to deliver that to as many people around the world as we
1: can. Well, you make a lot more people confident than people don't realize how underconfident so many are. And I want to thank you for what you did and really delivered great numbers. Uh, Joe Hogan, President and CEO of Align Technology. Your pleasure, sir, to have on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jim. Okay, Mad Money's back here for the break.
3: Coming up next.
1: Let's make money together. What do we got?
3: Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round.
1: I am so excited about tomorrow. We got our second CMC Investing Club monthly meeting. Our special guest is AMD CEO Lisa Su. I'm going to go on all over the stocks of the Travel Trust, answering questions from club members and giving my special take on this market now. And most important, riding out the volatility, how to do it. For subscribers only. If you haven't joined the CNBC Investing Club, now is a great time to do it. Go to cmbc join the club. And now it is time. It's it for the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Steve? dad the lightning round comes It's over. Steve and Steve. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my stock is Rattler Midstream. Or okay and- I think that's it. Look, that group is red hot. The best Limited Partners. This thing yields 8%. I think it's money good. I think it's great. Stice learns it. Uh, bye. Lorraine in Virginia. Lorraine.
6: Booyah. Booyah. Thank you, Mr. Kramer, for helping small investors like me. Thank I you. love your show. Thank you. I bought for my 14 year old grandson as a Christmas gift some stock trike trying to get them interested in investing.
1: That's good. That's what you want
6: to do. And, well, I bought it at $14 and now it's down to 5 and some change. And the name of the stock is Next Door. The ticker tape
1: is kind. Hi, Sarah Fryer. Okay, well, let's, first of all, it's a great advertising vehicle. I mean, I, But it was a SPAC. It was a SPAC and therefore it's no good. I mean, that's, honestly, that if it's a SPAC it's no good. That's how the market looks at it. I think it's good. I would buy more right here. Let's go to Michael, Massachusetts. Michael. Booyah, Jim. This is Mike, second-time caller, long-time listener. Okay. I want to ask you about a stock that has been beaten down under its IPO price. It hit its all-time low today. You know it from the Super Bowl commercials. I want to know your opinion on Rocket Mortgage, ticker RKT. People told me, don't like the ownership structure, don't like the way it enriches some people, including some of my family I really like. I have stayed away from it for a long time. I don't want to own a mortgage company in a time when co- the Fed is raising rates. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round!
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, we may not know what stocks will pop after the pandemic, but we do know what a business needs in any market. Kramer's got a key way to spot the coming of a bull. Next,
1: Heck does the end of a pandemic even look like? I mean, some say COVID will shift into endemic mode. But I don't know what that means other than it's kind of stick around as a permanent lower level presence. Others say we're now in the acceptance stage and we can just accept that as long as we're vaccinated, the virus probably can't send us to the hospital. Maybe that's enough. However, it's hard to know where we really are at this point. If you look at the death toll and case count, Omicron's still raging. Regionally, though, there are many areas where it's clearly peaked. At the same time, we've got all kinds of conflicting federal advisories and regulations. It's really hard to get a feel on things. You know, the other day I decided I want to take a trip to Mexico. I mean, why not? I'm triple vaccinated. I've had Omicron. Uh, I can't get more immunized than that, can you? But I just heard that Americans are advised not to go there. The other day I had to show my now tattered vaccination card to a restaurant. And antiquated as it is, I have my temperature taken in another. I mean, should I stay or should I go? And that indecision, that uncertainty, is causing something strange to happen. All the people who make forecasts involving economics and the stock market, they seem befuddled at best, and I think sometimes downright idiotic at worst. So let me tell you what I have learned by trolling through endless pieces of data and interminable conversations about what's going on right now. First, our thinking is muddled by issues of things called supply chains and supply availability, We need to free ourselves from these mental handcuffs. They obscure more than they illuminate. I know you're you're probably sick of hearing supply chain, too. So I have an idea. Let's look at one of the greatest companies in the world, Estee Lauder. Talked about it earlier. It just reported its best quarter ever, 11 percent organic growth, double digit. Even in China, which is plagued by lockdowns, as we heard from Starbucks the other day, they had high single digit growth. I find that incredible. Yet estate Lauder's stock tumbled 5% today, and a lot of that's because the analysts are now worried that China's slowing. See, that's absurd. What matters is Chinese demand, all right? The latter is a false tell. Supply is not the issue here. What we know is when Chinese consumers were faced with the opportunity to buy estate order when the stores were open, that's exactly what they did. When China ends its lockdowns, I think we'll see the demand for these products soar. That's why the stock of EL is a buy, not a sell. How about travel? Now, we know from Alphabet's conference call that travel inquiries are extraordinary. People hit the road. It means that airlines will need more aircraft. There are only two companies on Earth that make commercial aircraft at scale. Airbus is pretty much sold out. That means the orders go to Boeing. It also means more business for aerospace suppliers like Honeywell. Yet both stocks are down with the latter proceed is a gigantic loser because it had to guide down aerospace. Well, what were they supposed to do? Raise it because Google searches were big? I think we're asking too much from some of these companies. Again, though, I feel confident telling you to buy Honeywell, as I did in our morning meeting ten twenty a.m. broadcast for the Investing Club. And it's been a tough week. I know that. But if Honeywell goes down again, I would buy more. This is a real company making real things, real dividend, real profits. If we weren't restricted in it, I would buy some right now. Now, some of the confusion comes because of something unprecedented, the Omicron storm. In retail, the first week of December and even the second week were possibly the strongest brick and mortar numbers in years. But then Omicron exploded. So the third and fourth weeks were disasters for brick and mortar as customers went right back into hibernation and for the looks of things buying from Amazon. Again, though, let's go back to demand. If there was demand for product, it simply switched back from brick and mortar to uh, online on a dime. And that's how we know that MasterCard and America Express saw amazing demand. They don't care if you go out or stay home. They get you either way, but they really get you. They really get you to stay home and go out. PayPal? No. PayPal must have had just a fall off of astounding proportions in the early weeks of December when people went out in full force rather than buying things online. PayPal's domain. Otherwise, CEO Dan Schulman wouldn't have told me on money that there was a weakness when we spoke on November 30th. He would, he's normally a straight shooter. So I suspect and sincerely hope that he was blindsided after the pain that his stock has caused. Unfortunately, in this new environment blindsided is now unforgivable. What matters is that demand for PayPal is weaker than we thought. Of course, that's why the stock has already lost nearly two-thirds of its value. It's trying to find a bottom. So we may not know what to do as we approach an end to the pandemic because we never had a pandemic, assuming that is where we're headed. But if we pick stocks, we don't need a complete picture of how this plays out. It is enough to know that they have product and there is demand for that product and they can sell it at a profit. So far this quarter, the best demand is for makeup and skin cleanser, and that's from the great Estee Lauder companies, which is an outright buy. I'd like to say there's always a bull market summer. I promise you try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.